0: Um, last Sunday we talked about faith, and uh, I want to talk about faith again today. Probably again next Sunday, maybe even the next Sunday. Uh, last Sunday we kind of I I defined the word sha- uh, shave. Here I go again. I knew that would stump me if I did that. Uh, with the word trust, what God wants us to do is trust Him to be who He says He is, and to do what He says He will do. I was listening to a preacher last week that I respect a great deal, and I've learned a great deal from him, but he defined uh, faith as risk. He said, anytime there's faith, there's risk. And thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, Well, you know, I don't know that I totally agree with that. Because if you're putting faith in the promises of God, there's no risk involved there. God is going to be faithful to his word. And that's how we are to live our lives, the Bible says, by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And the word just there, of course, means justified. Those who have been justified are to live by faith. And that was Paul's personal testimony. He said, I live, not I, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The problem is not everything that calls itself faith is faith. There's two kinds of faith that I see. There's, there's what we call a natural faith, and that natural faith is standard equipment in every, every one of us. Now, the Bible has said that God has given to everyone a measure of faith. Well, natural faith is something that we practice every single day. When you came in this morning, you sat down in that chair without looking to see if the chair would hold you, right? Well, a few weeks ago when I was in Italy, I sat down in a chair that didn't hold me. I didn't examine it. It was a really nice restaurant. It was a restaurant inside the hotel. The hotel was very nice. But I noticed when I sat down in it, it, it kind of gave just a little bit. Now, no, no problem. Well, when you get through eating, you kind of want to scoot your chair back a little bit. You don't know, talk to the people around. The when I scooted my chair back, I hit the wall behind me. and I mean, I hit it hard. Uh, th- those legs just, just did. They just buckled just like this. And down I went. So... Examine the chair next tape before you sit down in. Okay, uh, but we all practice faith. I've heard many people say to me, "Well, I'm not a man of faith." Yes, you are. Have you ever flown in an airplane? Did you examine the airplane first? Did you talk to the pilot to see whether or not he was sober? You know, here lately, I've seen situations on TV where the pilot was drunk. Have you ever been to a drugstore? Have you ever been to a doctor? The doctor gives you a prescription. You can't read, and you take it to a pharmacist. You don't know, and he gives you something to take, and you take it. And you say you don't live by faith. We all live by faith. But natural faith is not biblical faith. Uh, You don't commit yourself to Christ the same way you commit yourself to a chair. And biblical faith is not taking natural faith and putting it in a spiritual object. They operate similarly. Natural faith operates similarly to biblical faith, the same way an AM radio operates to an FM radio. You can turn on your AM radio and you can get an AM station, but you can't turn on your AM radio and get an FM station. And you can't turn on an FM station, get an AM station. You can't turn on natural faith and reach God with just natural faith. In fact, the Bible says natural, uh, natural man, that is, unsay unjustified man, the Bible says that natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. In fact, it says they're foolishness to him and he can't understand them. So, uh, biblical faith or faith based faith is always in a revelation of God. God reveals himself to us. Well, how does he do that? Listen to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. It says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Or if you read the New American Standard, or faith cometh by hearing, and hearing of the word of Christ. Now notice it says faith cometh. Faith is not inherent to us. It doesn't originate with us. And it's imparted to us by God, and we can't work it up. It's not convincing ourselves that something is that we're not sure about is true. That's what some people think faith is. Well, I'm not sure about it, so I guess I'll have to take it by faith. No. Biblical faith is always a revelation from God to us. An example of that would be when Jesus asked Peter, Peter, who, what's the word on the street? Who are people saying that I am? And so he told him. He said, well, the more important question is, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God who's come into the world. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, it's a divine revelation that comes from God. And Jesus said, not upon Peter, Peter himself, I, I don't believe that, but upon Peter's faith, that kind of faith, Jesus said, I will build my church. Listen to what Peter, le- Peter later said. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, he said this. He said, he was a bondservant and an apostle of Christ to those, now listen carefully, to those who have received a faith. To those who have received a faith, the same kind as ours. Notice that we receive that faith from God. We don't muster it up. We don't build it. It comes as a gift from him. Faith is a gift from God. In fact, saving faith is especially a gift from God, isn't it? Paul said in 2 Corinthians, For by grace have you been saved, and that's a perfect verb right there. What does a perfect verb mean? That means something happened at a point of time that has a continuous action until today. For by grace have you been saved through what? Through faith. That not of yourself, it it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should trust in himself. Listen to Philippians 1 and verse 29. "For For to you it has been granted. Okay, us. To you. He's talking about us, anybody. To you it has been granted, for Christ's sake, not only to believe. Not only to believe. The ability that you have to believe was granted to you by God. Not only to believe, but to suffer for his sake. So our faith is dependent upon an impartation from God. He has to give us that faith. Uh, Listen to John 8 in verse 47. He said, you don't hear, he's talking to these people, he said, you don't hear what I'm saying because you're not of him. You don't hear what he's saying because you're not of him. In other words, we don't hear God with simply a natural faith that we have. Why so? That way, all of salvation, all of salvation, the glory goes to God and not us. It says that we are saved with a faith that is given to us. I heard a man say on TV the other day who was belittling security of the believer. And here's what he said. He said, "I, I will stay saved as long as I stay in the faith. Let me tell you something. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't stay in that faith for five seconds. That faith that, that you have was given to you by God. And so, uh, again, the scripture says, for what reason? That, that not anybody could glory in themselves, but only in the finished works of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I like to illustrate it like this. When my children, let's say, were, were preteens, they, they didn't work, they didn't have income. Sometimes they'd come to me and say, Dad, I need some money to buy Christmas presents for you and Mom. Okay. So I'd give them the money they needed to buy Christmas presents. And then when I opened that Christmas present on Sunday morning, I was so, you know, I just, oh, thank you. Man, this is thought I've always wanted right here, you know, a cigar cutter. No, 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 I'm no, no, kidding. I don't, I don't smoke cigars. I don't smoke cigarettes for that matter. But, but I, would, I would be so pleased and so blessed and so thankful that they got me something. But they got me something with money that I'd given them. Salvation is that way. We are thankful and we're blessed for the salvation, but the salvation we have was given to us by God. We cannot earn it. We cannot deserve it. So that no flesh will glory, no flesh can glory in in, in itself. So, Uh, That word for all of that is called karatas, grace. God's unmerited favor to us. He's given that to us. And again, it's not natural faith. We don't approach God with natural faith. We approach God with his faith that he's given us. So the question is, how then does God impart to us faith? Well... There's a couple of ways. Let me me turn to one. People have always asked me this question. Well, Barry, what about those people that live in some remote tribe over in Africa somewhere, and they've never heard the gospel? How in the world are they going to get saved? Is God going to hold them accountable? Well, listen to Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what, what has been made, so that they are without excuse. In other words, God will first reveal to those divine revelation. You get up in the morning, you look at a beautiful sunset, and you say, you know, is that just product of evolution? Did that sun just make itself? If, if you respond favorably to divine, to that natural revelation, God will give you more revelation. But if you deny that and try to contribute that to evolution or say that we rise from slime and come from scum, that's what the evolutionists are saying. We We're not, we're not created. We just rise from slime and come from scum. When you respond favorably to that revelation that God gives you through nature. And, and he says he gives that to everyone. Listen to this passage of Scripture in uh, Titus. Titus chapter, T- Titus is a very small book, two chapters, but a powerful book. Listen to Titus chapter 2, and verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, being, bringing salvation to all men. How many men. All men. All men. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. I believe God so loved the world, the whole world, that He gave His only begotten Son. But the way that He primarily speaks to us today is through His Word. Through His Word. And again, the Word of God is not a substitute for knowledge. I've had people say, well, you know, I don't understand this, so I'll just have to take it by faith. Well, that's faith in their faith. For example, someone will say, well, boy, when you get to the end of your faith, now tie a knot in it and hang on to it. No, that's faith in faith. And that's not faith in God. Biblical faith is always a response to divine revelation from God. Again, listen to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. I like the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible says it's the title deed. I'll never forget the day that I got the title for my house. Finally made that last payment, and I got the title deed, and now I can say, I own this home. It cannot be taken away from me. God gives me salvation, and it cannot be taken away from me. But listen to what it says. It says, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now, that word hope speaks of an uncertainty, doesn't it? It's kind of like my golf swing. When I swing, there is no telling where that ball's going. It's a total uncertainty. I played golf one time on a Tuesday. Anybody golfers in here? No golfers? Okay. Fishermen? Well, good. You can eat the fish. But you can't eat the ball. I played golf one time on Tuesday with a man who had just won the Byron Nelson tournament on Sunday. Two days earlier, he had won the Byron Nelson. And I played with him on Tuesday. And he would kind of give a little exhibition for us. He'd, he'd lay down three balls, and he'd say, now I'm going to draw this one. And, I, and, I'm, and this next one, I'm going to hit straight. And this next one, I'm going to fade. I said, Mark, I can hit all three of those shots. I never know When? But I can hit all three of those shots. But it speaks of hope. Speaks of uncertainty. Listen to me. That's not the way the Bible uses the word hope. And these three remain: faith, hope, and love. Listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. It says He is our our sure and steadfast hope. The Bible says Jesus is what He is our hope of glory. So what are we hoping for? We say what faith is the substance of things hoped for. The things that we're hoping for, if it's true faith, is the things that God has promised to us. The only thing uncertain about the things that God has promised to us is when they will come. God says, I will do that for you, but He doesn't always say when exactly it will come. And if He has not promised it, we can't expect to receive it by faith. Okay? You see, faith doesn't create, it appropriates. I've, seen, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I just had faith in God. He was going to give me this. Well, did God promise you that? Is there some scripture in the Bible where God promised you that? No. Well, if God hasn't promised you that, if he hasn't revealed that to you, then, then you're, you can't appropriate what he has not provided for you. So we discover the promises of God by the word of God. Um, so people who are—I hate to use the word ignorant—but people who are uninformed. Uh, by the way, you know what the word ag- uh, agnostic means? Ignorant. So when a person tells you he's an agnostic, he's saying I'm ignorant of the Scripture. I don't have enough information to make a decision. Basically, is I'll put it in a a little bit kinder way. But uh, here's the sad thing. There are people that come to church on Sunday morning, they bring their Bible, they open it when the preacher says, open your Bible, they open it during Sunday school, they take it home and put it down, and they do not open it again until the next Sunday. That's true. They wonder why they don't have any faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the more knowledge we have of the word, the greater our faith because we have more knowledge of the promise of God. I've had people over the years come to me and say, well, Barry, pray for me that I'll have more faith. Okay, but while I'm praying, you be reading. Okay, you be reading. Because faith comes by hearing. You go to church and you hear and you listen. So the, the more knowledge we have of God and God's ways, the greater our faith is going to be. The less knowledge that we have of God and God's ways, then the less faith we're going to be able to, to have. Let me cite an example with his disciples. You remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, and it was really more than 5,000. It said, the Bible says he fed 5,000 men. doesn't say anything about women and children. There, there could have been 15,000. But when Jesus fed them... And he told his 12 disciples, he said, gather up the remains that nothing be wasted. And they gathered up 12 baskets, one for each disciple. He told them to get on a boat and go, out. I'm not sure where, can remember exactly where he told them to go. So here they are, they've got their basket of, of remains of leftover food. And then not too much longer after that, they find themselves in another boat going to another place. And then when they get to that place, they're all upset because they forgot to bring bread. And Jesus said to them, you men of little faith, don't you remember the 5,000? Don't you remember what happened there? He was simply saying to them, don't you realize that I, you can trust me to provide? I will provide. You don't have to worry about things like that. Yet yeah, there's some people that God will give them a miracle that just absolutely blows their socks off. Then a year or two later, they're wondering, well, is God still, does he understand now the predicament I'm in? Yes. Yes, he does. So the more we know about God, the more of his word that we receive. Uh, uh, again, faith is dependent upon knowing something factual about God. It's not a response to the unknown. It's a response to the known. So, however, real faith requires more. I'm going to let you out early today, by the way. Uh, real faith requires more than just knowledge. Now, if, if if you just had knowledge without, and that was it, well, the Pharisees heard the same sermons that Jesus preached. Why weren't they converted? It takes more than knowledge. So here's the thing: we we can have we cannot have real faith without knowledge. But you can have knowledge and not have real faith. And let's let's go back to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and I'll show you why that's true. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Okay? Now, there's two words commonly used in the New Testament for the word word. The first word is the word logos. It simply means the word itself. Without any explanation. For example, in John chapter one, in our case, Ka halagas in the Greek says, In the beginning was the Word, Lagos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it goes on to say, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, we beheld the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That word is the word Lagos. However, there's another word that's in the New Testament. It's not used as much as this one, but it's used often, and that's the word "rema." There's a college in Tulsa, and I lived in Tulsa called the Rama Bible Institute. They were using, they were piggybacking off of this word "rema," and that word "rema" means the meaning of the word, or a word from the word. Now, what does that mean? Sometimes you might be reading a passage in Isaiah that was written thousands of years ago. And all at once as you're reading that, that by His stripes I am healed. And all at once the Holy Spirit just ministers that to you. And all at once it's like like something on that page just jumps off at you. And it's saying to you. And you realize God is speaking to me. Not just in general terms, but in specific terms. God is speaking to me through this passage of Scripture. That is the word rhema, and that is the word that's used in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Therefore, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the rhema word of God. For example, there are people, this, you're, obviously everybody in this room, unless you're asleep, and I don't see anybody sleeping, everybody in this room is hearing what I'm saying. But it's not rhema to everybody in this room. You haven't trained your spiritual ears to hear what God is saying to you through the word by his Holy Spirit. But to those who have trained, as Paul would say, train yourself to hear what the word of God is saying specifically to you. You're going to leave this place today and you're going to receive a Rama word from the Lord. Listen to what Paul, how Paul prayed for, uh, for the people in the church at Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He didn't say, I pray that your eyes may be enlightened, that you be able to see what you read. He said, no, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of, sure sure and steadfast, the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory and the inheritance of his saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance to the working and the strength of his might. And look again what he's saying. He's praying that God will open their eyes, that God will open the eyes of their heart that they may be enlightened, so that they will know what is the hope of his calling. So, God speaks to us through his word, but he speaks to us through a personal, there, there has to be a receiving of the word that is, inter, you have to internalize it. And for me, I, before I got saved, I, I tried to read the Bible, didn't really understand it. I'd come across a passage that would say, well, only a spiritual person could understand this. Well, I'd want to say, well, then I guess I don't understand it because I'm not a spiritual person. But then when I got saved and received the Spirit of God, as Paul said, that my spiritual eyes were open, then I could begin to understand. You know, the disciples, after after Jesus' resurrection, really didn't believe that he was raised from the dead. You know, some denominations put very little emphasis on women in ministry. They were the last ones to leave the cross. They were the first ones to see the resurrection. Where were the men hidden out in a house, scared to death, scared for their own lives? Where were the women out there on the battle lines? So they finally went back, told the disciples that Jesus is alive. He's He's been raised from the dead. But you know what? They didn't believe it until they encountered him, right? One of them said, I, I, now that I've put my hand in his side, I've seen the wounds, I, I believe. On the, whenever the woman at the well, whenever she went and told the people what Jesus had did, and then they came and experienced Jesus for themselves, and now, now they say we believe not just because you told us, but because we've experienced him for ourselves. That's what God wants us to do. Through his word, he wants each of us to experience him for ourselves. You remember the two disciples on the Dimaeus Road? They walked with Jesus. They walked with him. They talked, but they didn't realize who he was. And the Bible says he opened their minds to understand the scripture. He opened their minds to understand the Scripture, and God will do that for us. When I open the Bible, I'm opening his love letter. When I open the Bible at home and I'm studying and I'm prepared for a sermon or something like this, this is what I say, Lord, open my eyes that I might receive your rhema word today. Not just what you say, but the spirit behind that that is speaking to me. That's what I need to hear from you today, Lord. That's what each of us need to hear. You know what? He will, he will let, he'll do that if you'll simply ask him. That's what Paul prayed for the church, that, that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you might know of the goodness of God, and he wants us to know it for ourselves. So Jessica, i to let you out early today. Let's stand. In a moment, when the service is over, we're going to sing a song of worship, and then Brandon and I are going to be right over here. If you're you're here today and you need prayer, uh, or you have a question maybe about salvation, there was a lady in the service a couple of weeks ago, sat right back there somewhere. And when I prayed the prayer, uh, the sinner's prayer, she prayed that prayer with me. And when she got in the car with her friends, the first thing that she said to them, and she's probably a woman, uh, not, not even middle-aged, young woman, she said, when the preacher prayed the prayer a while ago, I prayed that prayer with him. And now she said all she wants to do is know more about Jesus. If you're here today and you want to know more about Jesus, that's why Brandon and I will be standing right over here. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. But today in hearing the word, God's Rhema word spoke to you today. It pulled down some strongholds in your life today and in your thinking. And you say, you know, I I really would like to know more about Jesus. I, I really would like to know what I have to do to receive him as my personal Savior this morning. And we'll be there for you. Or maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're sick. What does the Bible say? Any sick among you? Go to your church. Have one of you guys pray for you. Anoint you with oil. The The prayer of faith will heal the sick. That's a rhema word to somebody this morning. That's a rhema word to somebody. The prayer of faith will heal the sick.